I'm Liz Hirschnell-Tolley, and welcome to the Capital Coffee Connection podcast. And the purpose of this podcast is to actually get to meet elected leaders who are interesting, wonderful, special, but at the end of the day, just really good people doing hard work. And so many times people will say, oh, he's just a politician or just a cutout figure with a stump speech. And what I am trying to do is dispel that myth because there are a lot of amazing leaders. And today we have a very special person. And when I was thinking about setting this up to introduce him, I did a little research. And one of the things that I learned is that his grandfather in 1974 invented, created the chicken tender. Now, for mothers, fathers, caretakers, children, people out there in the world, pretty much everybody, the chicken tender is pretty much one of the greatest things that ever came to be. I raised five kids and I don't know what I would have done without the chicken tender. So I don't mean to keep going on about chicken tenders, but this is one of the greatest things that worked for me. And I am sure it actually has some really interesting value and you can share with us in a moment what it was like to grow up in a family in the restaurant business. But just briefly, I would like to say you are the congressman from New Hampshire's first district. You got it. And that is Southern New Hampshire and the Eastern portions of the state. So that's Manchester City, Merrimack, Grafton, Belknap counties, Stratford, Tyrrell counties, Rockingham County, and you have the sea, the coast, mm -hmm. and you're both urban and rural. That's right. So you're just kind of a very interesting. It's it, it's a fascinating district, and uh, everyone loves their district. Um, I've lived my entire life in, in my district. district, so it feels like home. You know, DC, DC will never feel like home to me, uh, but New Hampshire is where I'm from, and I think, you know, being so grounded in the communities of my district, uh, you know, means that I want to go to the map to fight for the 75 cities and towns that I represent. A lot, yeah. You should. Have, I just said a few. And you were 22 when you were first elected to the New Hampshire yes. State uh, Representative. You are also, which I think is important to share, which is that you are the first openly gay member of Congress from New Hampshire. And I always think it's important to talk about firsts because then there's other people that can follow and it's easier for them because you, you are a trailblazer in that way. So thank you, welcome. And yes, you're every, and the other thing I've learned about electeds is that their district is always the best district. Their state is the best state. <laughs> and really what it says is that we take pride in our community. That's a special part of this process. Absolutely. Well, and I think community is so important at a time like this where we do feel divided as a country uh, along political lines and so many other lines. People want to get back to that sense of, you know, being able to come together at the local level on up to the federal level and uh, solve problems. Yeah. And really, that's what this enterprise is all about. And I think people increasingly have a different view of politics. They see it as a way to uh, own the other side or to, you know, just perform uh, in a political sense. But when you get back to basics, it's about helping people. It's about making our community stronger and better. And that's why when you have a strong tie to the place that you represent, uh, it is personal for you because it's about the people you know. And that's where I think about each and every day. And it's a huge kind commitment. It's really giving up so much in order to serve. And yes, you love your, but then you do need to spend a lot of time in DC. So there's a lot of balance. And I don't think people always understand really what a dedication it takes to do the work you do. There's certainly a lot of sacrifice all around from, yeah. from everyone who's here. And yeah. I think what just encourages me every day, even when we have tough votes, even when things feel like uh, we're not gonna be able to come together and find the right solution, there are good people on both sides of the aisle. And so I, I applaud you for 
getting to know people, uh, yeah. what makes them tick, where they come from, and what motivates them to do this. Because I think understanding why we're here uh, and what we're trying to reflect is, is really important to try to get to solutions. I agree. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning of Chris' time. You are, a, you live in Manchester, New Hampshire. Your family's Greek American, and your relatives, when they came here, started in the food business. They had an ice cream store that then turned into a restaurant. Yep. And did you work in this restaurant? And what was it like to grow up in a Greek American family? Tell us a little bit about childhood in in how it was for you. Yeah, my family has. Uh deep New Hampshire roots. My mom is uh, English on, on her side, and I go back several generations on her side uh, in terms of New Hampshire roots. But on my dad's side, they came over from Greece in the early part of the 1900s. And like most Greek Americans, when they arrived, they figured out how do we uh, create a future for our, our descendants and focus on education and how we can get involved in the community. And the way that they decided to do that was by opening up a business. And they didn't speak much English, um, somehow they got a local banker to take a chance on them. They opened a, a small candy store and ice cream shop in 1917 in wow. uh, downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. And it's grown into one of the largest independent restaurants in our state, and just a place that's a touchstone for a lot of folks in New Hampshire. And so just kind of coming from that experience, growing up in the restaurant business, working there since I was 13, busing right. tables, washing dishes. All the fun jobs. All, all they that gave stuff. you all the glamorous yeah, jobs yeah. to start. And even, you know, out of college, made the choice to come back to New Hampshire to get involved in the business in terms of co-owning and managing the business. Uh, and thankfully, I had a forgiving family that allowed me to get involved in public service on the side, which in New Hampshire is a, a very part-time enterprise. If you're serving in the legislature, right. it's not a full-time commitment. So I was able to balance that for uh, the better part of 15 years before I decided to, to run for Congress. But really, you know, my origin story is uh, a family business that um, is, it's taught me about everything about, you know, what it means to serve other people, to be yes. connected to the community and to to look out for those that you work with uh, and that you meet each and every day. And just to be clear, you still do sell chicken tenders. Oh, we do. Yeah, okay, just, we're just still open. Sure. You understand the value of chicken tenders. <laughs> in high school, did you have special teachers, somebody that inspired you, that even got you to think beyond perhaps like working in the restaurant business that maybe got you to think about becoming a public servant or getting more involved? You know, I, I loved school and I I just, I loved math. I loved science, English. I mean, everything I took, I was into it and had incredible teachers in my public school in New Hampshire, which you think of New Hampshire, you might have a certain sense of what it is, but this is a, an inner city school in Manchester, New Hampshire, one of the largest public high schools, actually the oldest public high school in the state that I went to. In uh, just, I had teachers that had my parents in class who really committed to their profession. And without naming uh, individuals, there were just a number that were really made a big impression on me and helped me see how you can sort of attain a space in the community and make a difference beyond uh, just what you're doing professionally. Uh, there are people who give back who, you know, to this day support my runs for public office yes. and are there for me in a lot of different ways. So, you know, I really wouldn't be where I am today without my public school education and a lot of the teachers that I had uh, on up through high school. What, what's the best thing, one or two best things about New Hampshire? Because it is a small state. I can't really ask that of a lot of folks, because they come from states where there's multiple, sure. but you're really one of two. And what what makes New Hampshire? I know you're the granite granite state. But the, what what is special about 
You know, I, it's a state where people are fiercely independent. And, and certainly people have their political allegiances. Right. Uh, they're from different corners of the state. But it's this sense that, you know, you want to allow individuals to do what they do, uh, to have the respect of their neighbors and friends, and that when individuals are empowered and are strong, the, the community as a whole wins. And so I think that there's that sense that, you know, uh, of trying to do what's best for the state first as opposed to, you know, what's necessarily best for a political party. I think also just the the size of New Hampshire lends itself to people being able to know one another and to come together around solutions. We've got a state legislature right now that's almost evenly divided between Republicans and Democrats. And do they and, get things done? And they get things done. Yeah. They pass the state budget on yeah. a bipartisan basis. Uh, they're working incredibly well together. It's, it's a story. lesson for us here in Washington yeah. where we also have close numbers, but we're moving in a different direction right. where it's just chaotic all yeah. the time. So I think it's that level of uh, just proximity to one another, mm-hmm. where once you know each other first, it's a lot harder to- and That's why we do these videos. That's what this podcast is about. Like exactly. if people get to know folks, and again, whatever side, it changes the dimensions and it changes the communication. And I think people also drop their guard and are willing to be much more mutual and to communicate better. And so we've got a citizen legislature, as I mentioned, unprofessional, not paid really uh, legislature of great volunteers who are community members who step up and run for office. Uh, We've got this New Hampshire primary, which is still going, uh, despite what the DNC is is trying to do and uh, allows us to bring candidates for the presidency into our living rooms, into our coffee shops that have really impactful uh, conversations about what's on people's minds that wouldn't happen in bigger states. So I think it's, it's this kind of way of life that we have where, you know, we can come together in the town square and despite our differences, figure out a way forward. And that's kind of the hallmark of our state. So I'm really proud of. And you're married. Yes. And you recently got married this year? In February. And how is it for your husband in terms of like your travel? Because you're gone a lot and he has to carry the weight of like staying home and doing what needs to get done at home. Yeah. Well, thankfully I've got kind of the best of both worlds. His schedule's pretty flexible. Okay. He's got a lot of remote time. And so to a large extent, we're traveling back and forth between our home in New Hampshire well, so and our, travel our home in DC. And so Perfect. while a lot of members will come to DC and leave their families yeah. behind, a lot of weeks you know, we're together and uh, it just is a great support system for me. But we got married in, in February on what was probably one of the coldest days in the last uh, you know, 100 years in New Hampshire. Uh, it didn't get above zero uh, the day we got married, but we're oh, surrounded wow. by family and friends. So you had a lot of warmth uh, that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we were yeah. all kind of trapped in this hotel together and uh, just had a great time. It was a good beginning Sounds to, amazing. Uh, to our lives together. Again, I'm, we're not here about politics, but you have made one of the things that you're most passionate about is the opioid crisis. And it isn't a partisan issue because there's not a family in America, it doesn't matter what religion, what political party, whatever, that doesn't know somebody or have somebody that has suffered from opioids or drugs. And what is it that got you to understand that this is something worth fighting for and that you are passionate about? Well, it's been evident for um, more than 10 years that we've had an opioid epidemic in this country and uh, you know, families and individuals that have always struggled with addiction. That's always been there. But the drugs are so much more powerful now. You know, a few grains of fentanyl or a synthetic opioid 
can kill an individual. And a lot of times people don't know what they're taking. Um, I've lost high school classmates. I've lost employees at my small business. I meet too many people out there across my district that are just so pained and they feel like they've done everything they know how to try to save their family members, uh, to try to get them into treatment and support their recovery. Uh, But sometimes it's just not enough. And I've been heartened by the fact that uh, there's a good bipartisan group that understands the impact of these issues is working together uh, hand in hand. And we continue to put more resources on the table, but it's, you know, it's a supply and demand issue. It's, It's both going after the substances that are being trafficked but also making sure that we're compassionate and providing people the care that they need at the right time. And in a state like mine, it's it's been tough to build up those supports. Those weren't there, uh, you know, 10 years ago when we started seeing uh, our communities flooded with these opioids, but we're making some progress. Um, but we know that when an individual is in recovery, they're there for the rest of their lives. So um, it's something we've got to sustain over time. Yeah, and try to figure out how to prevent it from starting, which is also an interest. Well, thank you for that because it has touched my life. It has touched everybody I know's lives. It is something that is really, people don't necessarily want to talk about it either. You know, it's kind of like sometimes just on the hush, but I think that you being an advocate and you also making clear that not only in New Hampshire, but throughout our country, it's a crisis that needs to be. And I like that you're talking about working with people across the aisle that also are really concerned about this issue. I find that young people are really much more open to having the conversation around addiction and mental yeah. health as we need to destigmatize uh, yeah. behavioral health issues. Uh, young people are really helping to lead the way. I think they're identifying these issues among their peers. Right. Um, they're speaking out and we've got to give them the support they need to lead on this. What is the best advice you've ever received and maybe the worst advice you've ever received? Interestingly, I believe when I was back in college, I sort of thought I was on a path and that I would eventually go to law school and then, you know, either practice law or maybe even pursue public service at some point in time. But one of my professors in college essentially dispelled that notion that I had to, you know, take that next step and go to law school in order to, you know, have some kind of a career. And I'm glad I didn't do that. I I thought that was um, sound advice. He said, if you didn't want to practice law, don't go to law school. And for me, I wanted to go back home and get involved in my community in a lot of different ways, including uh, at my small business. And uh, that was probably the best advice, right. you know, I could think of at the time, no regrets. And uh, the best decision I made was uh, going back to a community that gave me so many opportunities in life and looking for ways to give back. Okay. So now we're going to do like rapid questions okay. and they're all uh, pretty easy, but you can answer, not answer. And if you want just one word or if you want a little explanation, what is your favorite sound? Well, that's challenging. I, some people, you know, they're so dialed into their devices. They, yeah. they say like, you know, the, the buzz of their phone when they get a text <laughs> message or something. It's okay. Can you kind of sum me on that? Let me think about it. Yeah, think about it. I was doing it again. Yeah. Favorite color? Blue or green. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be a tough one. Favorite smell? Because you're in the restaurant world, so maybe. Well, the, the fried chicken. Tech. Okay. Uh, I, I, have, I have to say that. <laughs> Who is your biggest cheerleader? My parents. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love me unconditionally, um, have supported me every step of the way. And they're just terrific people. My mom was a high school math teacher and then left that profession to be at home with my sister and me when we were growing up. Uh, and now she uh, works at the restaurant with my dad and doing all the books. My dad's the hardest working person you'll ever meet. Uh, his idea of a 
slow week is, you know, 65, 70 hours. And this idea of retirement is slow and dense, like 40 hours a week. Right. Uh, so and they're never really retiring. Yeah. Yeah. Always keeping the motor running. But they're amazing people and uh, are just there for with whatever I need. And like I'll be out at events in, you know, random towns in New Hampshire. And sometimes they'll show up, you know, I unexpectedly just yeah, to yeah. be there supporting. They're great. That's great. What is your zodiac sign? Gemini. And are you a Gemini? I, I had to think about that. Yeah, but second. are you in character a Gemini? I don't really you don't know that. much about astrology. Okay, yeah. well, I'm sure after Maybe this, you could tell me a little bit more. No, we don't have time for that, but I'm sure after this, people are going to text you and okay. tell you that you are or you aren't a Gemini, and they're going to give you more information. So Is that like a split follow. personality? Is that what that means? I think there is something about having okay. two personalities yeah. there. Yeah. I, I look forward to figuring that out. <laughs> okay. um, if you... This is a funny one because I, I appreciate your answer. No, if you were on a desert island and there was one food that you would want to eat, what would it be? If don't say chicken tender. You know, my my fallback <laughs> might have been ice cream. Yeah, but I think that wouldn't really. That's make not it a meal. Desert island. Yeah, that's though. true. Uh, cereal. Cereal. I could eat cereal every meal. What's your day. favorite cereal? Oh, it, it's hard to say. I like granolas. I like basic things like okay. Honey Nut Cheerios. Okay. Yeah, I, I really like all cereal. So I, that's how I start every day. Okay. And what's your favorite music? You know, we were just talking about this, actually. Um, and I listen to a lot of oldies. There's stories I grew up listening to 60s and 70s music, um, playing my parents' old Beatles records, right. which I still have and play today. So that's that kind of feels like my musical home. Like so when I'm listening to the radio, I listen to 60s and 70s music usually. Favorite household chore? I like to, I like sweeping and vacuuming. Washing the windows, doing the dishes. I guess, oh, I, guess I like you're a lot good. of chores. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. You're a keeper. Everyone has a superpower. What's your superpower? Besides sweeping and windows. You know, I, I don't know. This isn't really a superpower, but I would say coming from the hospitality business, you really work to understand where people are coming from and how to meet their needs and provide them with a great experience or good service. And so... I think coming out of that experience, you sort of are sensitive to what makes people tick and either how to work together with people in certain circumstances, yeah. you know, what they need to get to yes, or um, just sort of where they're coming from. So I think it's it's, That's a, it's a little bit of an awareness about, That's you know, beautiful. what people are about, where, yeah. where they're coming from. And, and recognize them for what they, what they need or what they're asking for, which is important. Where in the world have you dreamed to travel, not for work, but for pleasure with you and your husband that you have not gone to? What would be your top of your list? Well, I've never been to most of the islands in Greece. So Ooh. I think we definitely need to get over there and yes. do that. There's not a lot of time to travel, by the way, when you're in Congress. So, you know, most of the time you're running as quickly as you can to the airport in Washington to get back home for a lot of events. And, yeah. You know, you're spending the weekend crisscrossing the district. And I, I've enjoyed doing that. But if we can fit, fit in Greece, Greece at some island point, sounds amazing. Um, next summer. I'll go over the next couple of years. Okay. Maybe not next year, but maybe I, I find the odd number of years are a little bit easier for travel than yes, the even number of years when you're in a campaign cycle. I understand so. that. You know, I was doing a little bit of research and like I found out that J.D. Salinger lived most yes. of his life in New Hampshire. And, you know, Catch in the Rye was one of my favorite books, one of my kids' favorite books. There's one line in it which is very famous. Mm -hmm. And it kind of made me think of you. And I'm just going to read it and then I'll explain why. He says, what I have to do, I have to catch everybody if they start to go over the cliff. 
I mean, if they're running and they don't know where they're going, I have to come out from somewhere and catch them. That's all I'll do all day. I'd just be the catcher in the rye and all. And he was talking about like helping people that to grow up. Mm-hmm. And but I, I take it even further because when look at the work you've done, and I didn't really talk to you before today. I, I knew about you. Is sort of like helping people, making sure they don't fall, making sure they can get to the next place. And part of it is just what you do in New Hampshire, but as as a leader. But again, it goes back to the people that are in crisis, that are in the opioid crisis. What do you think of that? And I, I just, I think that's an important thing for people to understand is like, there is the special role that you're playing, which is to make sure that people are, don't fall down, don't fall off, and they get to the next place. I think the best days as a member of Congress are the ones where you're not necessarily taking a vote or making a headline, but it's about how you're helping one individual that reaches out to you and needs assistance. And so we really put a focus on what we do back in New Hampshire, as much as anything else in the constituent services that we provide. Interestingly, the location for our kind of headquarters uh, in Manchester, which is our, our district office, was the footprint of the first location of the restaurant that my great grandparents oh, wow. opened when they came from Greece. So in some ways we're, we're going full circle there. You know, to me, that's what it's all about. Uh, it's about helping others. And by the way, the point in time where I was elected to Congress in 2018, you know, we saw a government shutdown. We had this uh, pandemic, all sorts of other challenges that have come up through the years. There have been so many ways where you've had to be there for your constituents that I could never have imagined when I first re-entered this office. And you couldn't do this without an amazing team behind you. And so we've got a lot of really committed people that that also kind of share that worldview about, you know, what this role is really about, where you can add value. So if you're having a rough day and it is, there's rough days, like what do you do? Do you have like a, a process that gets you sort of through it? Do you go out? Do you take exercise? Do you meditate? Like, what do you do when like, it just feels like the, the world is tough. Sometimes I'll go for a run. Okay. I, I try to run most days. Usually I try to start off the day doing that, but Good. I think there were a couple of days uh, last week where things were really up in the air and just kind of getting out of the office and going for a run allowed myself to like, you know, see what really matters here yeah. and uh, help focus my attention. So that's something that really restores right. me, but also kind of focuses me on what's coming. Okay, so now we play this little game called Kiss Mary Trash. Oh, wow. It's got other names, but it's basically a rating. And I'll give you three things and you'll say what you would like to kiss, what you would like to marry, what you would trash. Mm-hmm. They're easy, but you can, you, okay. know, you can take a fifth if you want. The first one is Netflix, reading, meditating. Well, I think probably in that order. <laughs> you know, I, I do so much reading through work that, that you can't make sometimes sure I can't always find time for the, the fun reading that you want to. So definitely like unwinding with some Netflix or it's whatever easy. is on. Yeah, whatever's streaming there. And also, you know, ideally I'd, I'd have a good book by the bedside table. Yeah. What was the third? Meditating. Yeah. So you What's that? Remember, I don't even I know. know okay. Is. Meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And I will just throw out there that I also learned that New Hampshire's maple industry produces almost 90,000 gallons of maple sugar. So I think you got to get breakfast in there. Just yeah. pointing out. Yeah. And you know, there's a caucus for everything in Congress. Yeah. Groups of people that right. care about something. There was no maple caucus. When I came. So I started the maple caucus. When yes, I, I would say so, considering how um, many gallons. We, we've got a lot syrup. of maple producers. Yeah. And by the way, you know, if you're ever wondering about climate change and whether or not people are seeing it, talk to the maple producers. Because yes. they, 
their season gets changes every year. It gets later in terms of when they tap and, you know, smaller in terms of the volume of syrup that they're producing. So um, that's just I, a side note, but yeah. breakfast, definitely the favorite. Breakfast, the favorite. Um, and again, probably cereal, but pancakes are great too. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I guess lunch be number two. Okay. I like sandwiches. Okay. And if you're running or if you're listening to music, what would you rate? Pop music, country, or hip hop? You already kind of said this, the Beatles, so. Yeah, yeah, I'd pop definitely first. You know, there there's some hip hop songs that I've got in my Spotify Probably good for that, running. that will come up every now and then. Yeah, that'll keep you motivated. But definitely not country. Okay. I don't know. Not, okay. not a fan. Country fans. We'll just say Sorry. That. Yeah. New Hampshire. If you're going to watch a movie, would it be drama, roll call, or thriller? Boy, probably thriller first. Yeah, I like fast-paced movies. You know, things that'll kind of scare you a little bit. Yeah. Keep you on the edge of your seat. Rom-com probably, you yeah. know, okay. probably dump that or whatever the, the euphemism is. And what was the other genre? Thriller, rom-com, drama. Drama, yeah. There's some good dramas. Okay. If you're going to have pasta, this is a very tough one. Spaghetti, yeah. penne, or fusilli? Spaghetti's a lot of work. <laughs> I, I think I would dump spaghetti. Okay. But I, I think fusilli I like because it kind of picks up some of the sauce, right? Okay. That's the corkscrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so that would be my number one. What kind of sauce is your favorite? I like red sauces. Okay. Uh, like a meat sauce is good. Okay. Just confirming. The last one, and yours is interesting because of where you live. Seasons. Summer, fall, winter. Fall's the best. That fall in New Hampshire, there's, just... there's just a feeling in the air that is so different. And we've got, we're at peak foliage right now, which is, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, we've got great apple orchards, places where you can go experience that. So fall's good. I'd say winter's number two. I, I love the snow. I don't get out skiing nearly enough, but, um, and summer's we great have too. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got great skiing. Okay. So this is our last part. Okay. And I asked each uh, leader the same question and I've heard beautiful things from everybody and different. The last question is about joy. How do you define joy? What brings you joy? And then how through your joy do you share that with others? Well, you know, there's not a lot of joy in, in Washington, D.C. most days. I don't know. Most people are just kind of trudging through the hallways and are so stressed, running from one thing to the next. But I think just to go back to what I uh, was reflecting on before, I think the joy in this job is helping others and being of use to others. Yes. And so... That's where I kind of derive my joy, and I would hope most of my colleagues feel the same way. And I think that you can put up with a lot of stuff when you can find some of those moments where you're able to break through and make a difference. So that's what keeps me going. And I think there is some joy uh, that results as part of that, that, that sustains you for the, the long journey ahead. Yeah. And personally, what brings you joy when you're not trudging through the, the capital? I think it's just the moments where I'm able to be with family. Uh, we've got a, a great close-knit family in New Hampshire. And to be able to bring my now husband uh, into the fold and to incorporate him as part of that family is pretty amazing, especially if you kind of think about, you know, where, where we've come on um, issues around equality. You know, if you asked me as a high school kid of the 1990s whether or not I'd even be able to come out to find love myself and fulfillment in a relationship, and then to have that person accepted by my family, uh, who was totally wonderful, by the way, 
and they were going to be there for me no matter what. But there's no way I could have imagined where I'd be just a few short years later. That that brings me a lot of happiness, and to see our relationship supported is just really validating. Because I think anyone, as they kind of grapple with who they are, it's a struggle, and it um, you know a lot of times you know you don't are proud of yourself and uh, what you feel deep down inside, and to be able to have that validated by your family and people close to you that just adore is pretty amazing. That's touching. I mean, like I get what you're saying. Thank you for sharing it, and really thank you for coming here and sharing who you are. Because I think that, you know, you talk about New Hampshire and the folks there are authentic and they're real and they believe in their values. And you exemplify that as a leader. And many leaders will push that aside because they have to do something else. But I think that you, the fact that you can bring that into the work you do not only honors the people of New Hampshire, but it also honors our country. It honors people that are in a position of wondering if they can be themselves and when they can be themselves. And I just thank you for being honest and sharing and for giving us a little insight on more than chicken tenders, but really the beauty of New Hampshire and the importance of the work you do to help people. Come visit us anytime. Oh, I am. There's some chicken tenders for you. Chicken tenders and maple syrup. I look forward and I actually look forward to coming at a time when the leaves are falling and, and it's just beautiful. So thank you for being here and thank you for the work you do. Thanks, Liz. Hi, it's Liz. Please join me every Tuesday for coffee to talk about heart and humanity with our elected leaders. Ciao.